The NBA All-Star Game last night made history, but could the actual game be history? We'll just review and discuss All-Star Saturday night. Baseball stream training is well underway. Conor Bedard scores his first goal since his return from injury. The NHL had back-to-back outdoor games. Yay! And we'll have a special edition of Old School TV Monday, saluting Black History Month. That and a whole lot more as Second City Sports, the Monday edition of Sports on Chicago starts right now. Welcome to the Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live and in living color on this President's Day on Sports. So, Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter, X, and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow my Keita McGee on the Twitter, X, and Kills Journey and IG. Make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Please follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast. We are at War Media Podcast. That's W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And while you're at it, please give War Media a follow at W-A-R-R Media on all social media platforms on Facebook, X, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have any definite opinions during our two-hour extravaganza, including our next guest coming up shortly, you can always find us at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comments section. Lakino will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something silly, dumb, or stupid, I've given Lakino full powers to give you fools to barely be a boot. But... Before we begin, we must remind you you can catch Sports Zone Chicago right now, live in the living color on Roku TV. That's right. So celebrate the squad and get with the program. Sports Zone Chicago is now available on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku television, just tap on that sports folder and download that Sports Zone Chicago app. If you don't have a Roku television, but you have some handheld devices laying around, iPhone, iPad, iTouch, your Android, your Chromebook, or your PC like Lakina's using right now, just hit up the Google Play Store, download the Roku TV app, and access Sports Zone Chicago through that avenue. So no more excuses. Celebrate the squad and get with the program. Sports Zone Chicago is now available on Roku TV. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Live and on demand. Anytime, anywhere. And you know we will provide and a little we'll scratchy pro- today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's okay. Well, it's a little dry today, but uh, yeah, we'll be providing you with our usual uh, great info and great fun here on Second City Sports. Of course, we'll talk about, as Sis said, the NBA All-Star Game. And if you took the over, you already had a nice weekend. And if you're listening to us for President's Day for the first time, welcome. And we'll also talk some college hoops as getting down to the wire to March Madness. A lot of stuff happened in the NHL over the weekend, a whole lot more. But first, we're going to go to Diamond. And Sid, one of our favorites, is now is now with us. So uh, introduce him, please. 
Yeah, he's he covers the Chicago White Sox in the Chicago Cubs and baseball at large, MLB at large for CHGO Sports. We had him on here once before. Now we welcome him back at spring training. As I mentioned at the top, is underway for all 30 major league ball clubs. Here is the one, the only, only Mr. Jared Willis. Jared, welcome back to the show, my man. How are you? It's good to be with you guys and uh, exciting to talk some baseball again. It's been a while. All right, Jared, we'll, 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 I'll save myself the pain of the White Sox. We'll get on them later. But <laughs> let's start with the Northsiders and talk about the Chicago Cubs. Of course, they they picked up manager Craig Council from the Milwaukee Brewers. They show they did decide to show David Ross to booth after failing to make the postseason last year. Uh, what intangibles does Craig Council brings to this ball club for 2024? Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the big question because. You know, David Ross, for for whatever faults he did have as a manager, and there were some, um, wasn't necessarily bad at his job that you would expect that they'd be out looking for a replacement. But the big difference with Craig Council is it's kind of like when you get the opportunity to go out and get who, who really arguably is the best manager in baseball, uh, you gotta you got to take an opportunity like that. And I think what the Cubs are banking on is – they looked at what Craig Council was able to do with the Milwaukee Brewers with a budget that was much smaller than the Cubs have had, uh, rosters that were never quite as talented, and yet year after year he was either getting his team to the playoffs um, or at the very least just kind of a thorn in the side of the rest of the division. And so they recognize that he's able to get a lot out of you know less talent, and so the hope is, is that when you get – give him a team with a much deeper roster with more talent on their squad. The hope is that that's going to translate into he can do the same kind of thing with the Cubs um, with the advantage of a bigger market, more money to spend and a deeper roster. So we'll see if that actually proves to be the case, but that's really, you know, short answer why they went after this guy. It, It boils down to that. And I think also another big thing is if he saw his comments over the weekend, I'm talking about Craig Council, he wants to try Christopher Morrell on third base, which I, I've been saying, you know, said, you know, I've been saying for years that he's probably where he needs to be kind of even more specialist. So what do you, what do you think? Could, could he perhaps maybe, you know, or do you, are you still, do you see him still kind of moving around a little bit? So what do you think about uh, Morrell, you know, going to third, starting at third base at the very least? Yeah, I think that this is at this point in spring training, this is them doing their due diligence of, about trying to to see if this is going to be a realistic option for him defensively. Because he's the kind of guy, as we all know, the bat is there, and so you want to get his bat in the lineup. And so if you can find him a regular spot defensively that can help make that happen, then all the better. Because otherwise you are sort of dealing with like what we saw David Ross have to do last year, a little bit more of moving him around, finding spots, which leads to less consistency at the plate because he doesn't get the kind of regular playing time that he would get if he was starting at third base, for example. So I think it's a a wise move on the Cubs part on Craig Council's part, get him the looks now. And, you know, in February before they've even started their spring training games. And then of course, next week, I think it's Friday is when they play their first spring training game. Get him, you know, get him those innings out there and, and see how that looks. So you can assess now if this is really a realistic option and then go into the season on opening day um, with him as your regular third baseman. 
Uh, I like the possibility, but the reality is, is defensively, you're you're always going to be giving up a little bit with him. You hope that the bat makes up for it, but the reality is, is I don't. He's never going to be a Gold Glover, or it's unlikely that he will be, given where he's starting from. So that's kind of the trade-off. But all that to say, you you want that bat in the lineup. So if that means he's starting at third base most games, then I'll take that. Let's go to the starting rotation, Jared. Of course, it's headlined by Justin Steele, who had a great year last year until the uh, very end at the at the end of September. Of course, they picked up Shoto Imanaga from Japan. Of course, Kyle Hendricks is back for another run at it. Who else is going to fill out their starting rotation staff for the Cubs? Yeah, that's this is where you kind of look to – I mean, number one – I've said it before on the CHGO Cubs podcast, but I'm looking for Jamison Tyon to have a bounce back season. Um, he, things were really rough for him uh, last year. He had a few stretches we saw where he he looked pretty good and he showed some of that potential for for being the kind of guy that, the, that was worth the four-year contract that they gave him. Um, but ultimately, you know, the end result, the numbers were disappointing with him. So number one, I think if you can get even a decent bounce back from Jamison Tyon uh, in 2024, that's huge for the rotation. After him, that's where you're starting to look to some of these younger pitchers, guys like Jordan Wicks, who we got a little bit of a look at uh, last season. You know, Kate Horton, who hasn't come up to the majors yet, but that's another name to keep an eye out for. Where they're, I think part of the reason why the Cubs haven't really pursued starting pitching in free agency is they know they've got some young guys um, that they really believe in. And so I, I think that's where we're going to see them filling in that fourth and fifth spot in the rotation. Um, like I said, Jordan Wicks, look for Kate Horton down the road a little bit. Um, and they're, if one or two of those guys works out, they're in pretty good shape. Let's talk about the the, the back end. Well, the bullpen, especially. Uh, Albert Azalea, of course, he was a little bit banged up near the end of the season. And you know, got they gave him a little bit of help, you know, in the in the in the front of part of that uh, relief. So, uh, how do you think their uh, relief uh, pitching is going to look this year compared to last season? I think it's going to feel very similar in a lot of ways, um, where it might be some different guys who are picking up maybe the sixth and seventh inning, you know, some different names. But I, it's it's going to feel a lot like it did last year. I think Alzelay has really entrenched himself as their closer. Um, they were, you know, slow to kind of make him that guy, but it, up until the point where he was injured toward the end of the season last year, he was, he did a really outstanding job in that role. Um, so it starts with him. You're kind of build backward from there with the rest of your bullpen. Um, you'll still see guys like Mark Leiter Jr. Picking up a lot of innings. Um, and some of those, some of those familiar names from last year, but like I said, with the starting pitching, we uh, we may see some some young guys coming up like Ben Brown who are going to fill in some of those those reliever innings as well. Jared Willis from CSGO, who, who covers the Cubs, Sox, and MLB at large for them, is joining us here on Second City Sports on the President's Day edition. We're live in the 11 color on Sports Zone Chicago. Jared, of course, the big issue in the room is free agent outfielder slash first baseman Cody Bellinger. Of course, he's represented by uh, super agent Scott Boris. What percentage would you give the Cubs that they'll bring Bellinger back? And, and based off that percentage, when do you think this deal will get done? 
Well, you're, I'll answer the first part of it. I still think that it's it's most likely that he comes back to the Cubs. I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, so you know, better better than 50-50 for sure. Um, but I don't know that it's it's necessarily going to happen particularly soon because Scott Boris doesn't seem to be in a rush. Cody Bellinger doesn't seem to be in a rush. We saw Tom Ricketts spoke to media just today. And, you know, I'm sure you guys saw his comments where it, it sounds like they're not even particularly close. Um, he said it, it wasn't even like they're negotiating yet. So he's he's clear, you know, Bellinger's camp, they're clearly not in a hurry, um, which as a, as a hitter, as a guy with his experience, it's not like he needs to go get a bunch of spring training at bats. He, know, he knows what he can do. So um, if it takes another couple of weeks before he signs, I, he'll be fine. Um, but I do think it's it's going to be the Cubs. It's just a matter of when when they start ex- exchanging numbers, if they can get close to something that works for both sides, um, it, it's going to work out. It just makes too much sense for, for the Cubs. He meets several needs that they have. Um, we haven't really heard a lot of other teams connected with Bellinger very strongly. It has felt all along very much like a – the Cubs Bellinger reunion is what we're waiting for. Um, but because he's a Boris client, it, we're going to wait a little bit longer. And it's not just him. There are a lot of, there are some other Boris clients that have not signed like Matt Chapman. And I know, I know Blake Snell, I know uh, the Yankees are very interested in him. So do you think the Cubs could get in either one of those guys? If not, you know, they still get Bellinger. Yeah, I think um, Chapman in particular is somebody who also would make a lot of sense for them. I mean, it would kind of going back to the question of Christopher, Chris Morrell and uh, third base. Um, obviously, if you sign Matt Chapman, that takes Morrell off of third base, and and you might even be starting to think about whether or not Morrell needs to be a, a trade piece for for another need that you have. Um, but I don't think that Chapman is somebody that they're really looking at right now, given some of the other moves that they've made, like trading for Michael Bush with the Dodgers. Um, He's, he's somebody who, if need be, will play for first base. Um, and that's what they said back in January when they traded for him. And also, if they do sign Bellinger, Bush has played third base, so he can move over to the other side of the infield. So I don't have a high expectations that they're going to go after Matt Chapman. And the same with Blake Snell, um, because as I, you know, as we talked about a moment ago about the starting rotation, I think they are very much banking on some of those young guys coming up and and working out so they're they've really kind of laid off of the starting pitching market all right jerry let's go to my favorite team the south side is talking about the white Sox. Uh, looking at their starting rotation you have dylan cease you have michael Kopech, you you have eric fetty that they picked up uh during the offseason and michael soroka uh, via trade from the atlanta from the atlanta braves so, who do you see filling out that fifth spot? Is he Tuki Tucson or is it some of those other non-roster invitees that Chris gets decides to sign from Kansas City? <laughs> Who's going to fill yeah. out that uh, those last couple of spots in that starting rotation for the Southsiders? I think I my eye is still on Tuki Tucson. He, you know, he's a veteran. Um, he pitched pretty well in in different spots with the White Sox last year. Um, and he's still, I think people don't realize how young he still is. I think he's just in his late 20s. And so there, in my mind, there's still 
reason to think that he's going to, if at the very least, if he's a back of the rotation kind of guy, which is sort of what they're looking for him to be, um, you could do a lot worse. And so given what he's done already with the White Sox and in his career, um, I like Toussaint toward the back of their rotation. I think you mentioned Kopech earlier. I think we all kind of know he wants to be a starter. It, it's it's clearly a, a goal of his, but there are so many, so many times when he has looked a lot better out of the bullpen. And so at some point you kind of have to wonder for the sake of his career, um, does he have to just kind of accept that his dream of being a starting pitcher just isn't going to work out? And do you move that guy to the bullpen and then let him really like that fastball, which was, was the big thing when he first got drafted and when the White Sox traded for him so many years ago, that was the big exciting thing was this guy's got a monster fastball, but as a starting pitcher, you can't necessarily be lighting up the radar gun the same way he could if he was, you know, pitching the eighth inning or something, and he could just go out there and throw a couple of triple-digit fastballs. So I'm intrigued at the possibility that he might still end up in the bullpen um, at some point. Now, let's talk about my favorite subject, and Sid knows this, Eloy, uh, of course. <laughs> he, you know, look, he, he was he was DHing a lot last year. Are, are we going to see the same thing? He's 27 years old. There's a little bit of wear and tear. So what do you think? Are we going to be seeing more Eloy uh, DHing, or is he going to play, play outfield? God, I hope not. So <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think with Eloy, it's it's kind of like Kopech, where he Eloy wants to play the outfield, he wants to be out there, but I think we've we've seen too much of he loses a lot of games and loses a lot of at bats because he gets hurt. Sometimes it's just freak injury kind of stuff, like the spring training when he reached over the wall for a home run and broke a rib and stuff, you know, stuff like that that happens. Um, so. Kind of like we talked about with Morell, you want Aloy's bat in the lineup, um, and so if having him as your DH on a full time basis is the way to do that, then I, I think that's the path that they have to take. So I expect with Aloy, it's going to feel very, very much like last year. He's going to DH, maybe a spot start or two in the outfield, um, but they really, for the sake of keeping him healthy, you can't have him putting a glove on. We couldn't agree with you more, Jared. Um, the, the right field position for the White Sox has been a revolving door for many years. Of course, they made the trade for Dominic Fletcher a couple of weeks ago. Is this his job to lose or will, you, will we see Gavin Sheets, which I hope not, back in right field again? again <laughs> will we see Oscar Colas, Kevin Pilar? Who's your starting right fielder for the White Sox on March 20th versus Detroit on the south side? Yeah, it does feel very much like Fletcher's job to lose right now because – there just aren't super strong candidates to take his place. It's not like you're, you know, the, those names you just listed, that's a lot mm -hmm. of guys where you're like, man, if we see yeah. Gavin Sheets in, in right field, it means some, somebody's God. hurt. Something, <laughs> something has gone wrong. <laughs> um, I'm still intrigued by Oscar Colas's potential. Um, I'm not ready to write the guy off just yet, but if I'm looking at March 28th opening day, who I expect to see in right field, I don't think it's him. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's Fletcher's job to lose right now. Um, so I think when we get to that opening day roster, he's your right fielder. Who's going to be the uh, the closer? Because, of course, we know, you know, Hendricks, you know, he you know got her last year. He's now 
uh, signed with Boston. So who who do you think is going to be like the the uh, the reliever, like the closer for the Sox? Yeah, I mean that's that's a a good question. It's a hard one to answer right now because I don't know that they've got an obvious choice to take his place. Uh, what we might see is sort of like you know on the north side a couple a year or two ago before Ozilai established himself was it it may be closer by committee so to speak where depending on the situation depending on who's been used you know earlier in the series that kind of thing uh Pedro Grafol is going to have to go to the arm that he think is best suited to close a game that day um and honestly given you know what the White Sox projected record is going to be I think closing games is probably I don't know how often that's <laughs> going to be a big concern uh, for right now but maybe this is the year where you you look for maybe somebody emerges as that person and sometimes it is it's somebody that's unexpected you know going back to Alzali he came up with the Cubs expecting to be a starter and this is just the way his career path has worked out and he's really come to like that role so um you know, I'm not saying that I think, you know, Kopech ends up as their closer, but if I had to pick a guy based on stuff, um, I, I actually don't hate the idea of Michael Kopech closing games at some point once he's adjusted to, you know, pitching that way as opposed to being a starter. Before we get to uh, the Major League Baseball at large, Jerry, my last question to you about the White Sox. Luis Robert Jr., we saw him healthy for the majority of the year. I mean, he became an all became an all-star. He put up MVP type numbers, but he was overlooked because the team was so terrible. Have we seen the ceiling on Mr. Robert Jr. or do you think he can take his game to another level this year? Well, that's, I mean, I think the exciting thing is I don't think we've seen the ceiling. I think he can get even better because this past year was really the first season where it's like the guy stayed healthy and you saw what happens when he plays a full season. And that's always something that any guy, any guy like him can take and build on and, and get even a little bit better this year. Again, knock on wood, provided that he stays, he stays healthy. Um, it's one of the biggest improvements is he really developed into like a lockdown center fielder. Um, he was, you know, he was always strong defensively, but man, the number of times when he'd make plays or, or in post-game interviews when Grafol or other guys would just rave about the defense that he played in center field, um, it's an easy thing to overlook given what he can do with his bat. So, you know, for White Sox fans, there's at least one thing to be very excited about in 2024 because I think Robert Jr. is, is going to have another another monster year, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, so, they, so, so you got some look forward to, to uh, for the season, Sid. There you go. Yeah, uh, I'm in Dell season until July 31st, but I digress. <laughs> that's true. Very true. Very true. Let's talk about the rest of the league, uh, Jared. Uh, you know, we saw the, the, the moves the Dodgers have made, you know, with Otani and Yamamoto. Do you think it's the Dodgers and the field, or do you think maybe uh, maybe Baltimore with the big trade they made, or Toronto, or maybe even the Mets? Who do you think is like the favorite? I mean, on paper, at least, it's really hard not to say the Dodgers. Um, you just look at the – if you look at it across the league at every roster, it's really tough to not to look at what the Dodgers have and, and not say at the very least that they're going to – they're the team to beat in the National League. Um, I do think the Orioles are going to have another strong season. They, you know, the trade for them, that's, that's a huge 
Corbin Burns for their their starting rotation. That's such a a brilliant move on their part. Um, so if I'm picking two teams right now, one from each league, I, I do really like the Dodgers. Uh, AL's a little less obvious, but maybe it's it's Baltimore's time to really push their way to the top. Um, but yeah, on the National League side, it feels very much like it's it's the Dodgers and everybody else kind of competing with each other. I want to ask you about these two teams, Jared, and we're going back to the Cubs division in NL Central. Of course, Cincinnati came out of nowhere last year, of course, when they brought up Ellie De La Cruz, their shortstop. They didn't make any moves at the trade downline, but the future is bright for them. And, of course, you have the Pittsburgh Pirates, of course, the injury to O'Neill Cruz early last year against the White Sox when he forgot to slide properly, which derailed them for the entire season. Which one of those two teams do you think will have, uh, I'm not going to say a bounce back here, but uh, to take the next step? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the Cincinnati Reds um, for that just because they were only, you know, we've, I've talked a lot this offseason about how the Cubs missed the playoffs by one game. You know, 83 and 79, they were only behind the Diamondbacks by one game. But another game behind them, Cincinnati Reds. So Cincinnati only missed the playoff spot by two games. And so we saw – a lot of what they're capable of with some of these young guys like Taylor Cruz, um, like Will Benson in the outfield, where they, they had some stretches where they looked pretty, pretty close to unbeatable. So um, I am looking at the Reds to take a significant step forward. And so if I'm picking a division favorite right now, based on what teams have done this offseason, I think I'm going with the Reds in the NL Central. It's, it's going to I expect it to be a tightly packed division. But um, that's the team that I would look for to to be at the top of it. Obviously, you know, a lot can change. The Cubs get Bellinger and trades and all that sort of thing. But where things are right now, I, I actually really like Cincinnati. Well, keeping in that, you know, the teams take, to take that next step. You have Seattle with all their great rising stars. Um, and you got the you know, Toronto. They kind of took a little bit of a step back last year. Um, you can probably say maybe Detroit might make a big move this year. So who who do you think among those teams can make that big to make that next step? Yeah, that's um, I actually you know I've I've kind of had my eye on the Tigers for a little while now, where they've they've built up this dynamic farm system with a lot of talent, where it felt like they put a lot of those right pieces in place where they could take a step forward. Obviously, they. They kind of swung and missed on some of their free agent signings in recent years. Javi Baez has not worked out for them at all. Um, but I still I still have high hopes for what Detroit can do, if nothing else, to take advantage of what will be most definitely the weakest division of baseball in the American League Central. So Detroit doesn't have to be particularly good um, to be close to the top of that division. Now, are they, they going to be ready to compete with everybody else? Definitely not. But, yeah, if we're talking about steps forward – I really like to – I'm looking forward to seeing what the Tigers can do this year. Last moment, too, with Jared Willis from CHGO. He covers the Cubs, White Sox, and baseball at large for them. He's hanging out here with us on Second City Sports on Sports Zone, Chicago City. Lakina here with you. Jared, I want to ask you about the Houston Astros. They beat the Minnesota Twins last year before losing to the eventual World Series champions in the Texas Rangers in the ALCS last year. Dusty Baker retired no longer there. What do you expect from the Astros this year? Do you think they'll still be not dominant like they were a couple of years ago, but do you still expect them to be better than competitive? Yeah, I, I still look to them to be competitive. 
Um, they are going to have a tougher time in the the American League West. Like, Lucina, you mentioned the Seattle Mariners a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a team that is also, like, on the rise. That's a team to, to really keep an eye on. So I think that um, it's still – I still like them in that division, but it's getting to be a much harder division than it used to be. But I still expect the Astros to be competitive. They're loaded with talent. Uh, Joe Espada is a good manager because he comes with a lot of his own playoff experience as a coach um, in in that organization. So I still think that they're going to be good, but if they're getting close to the end of their contention window, uh, this is probably the year that you know that they start to make that step where they're going to have to look at what it's going to take for the next round of contention. You know, not necessarily a rebuild, but there, this squad is, isn't going to continue to get them there for much longer. Last question for me, Jared. Uh, of course, I know you're a big Kentucky Hoops fan with a tournament coming up in a few weeks. They got a big win against Auburn uh, over the weekend. And Antonio Reeves, who is a Chicago kid, by the way, <laughs> led the way uh, there. I think I think he's been probably definitely gonna, uh, probably not SC play all year, but definitely be all SEC. So what do you think about the Wildcats' chance in the tournament? Yeah, they're they're tough because I mean they, they looked that that Auburn game was I think the best I've seen them play all season because mm-hmm. as I've heard them described it's like a championship caliber offense but around a 32 defense. They give up a ton of points um and in the tournament it's just so easy to get. You get a team that's shooting well um and it doesn't really matter who it is. You know, it can be a super low seed a small school, but if they're shooting well and you're not good at, at shutting that down, they're going to be trying to play catch up. So I think that they there's the wide range of possibilities with Kentucky is, is there for sure. Um, but you, man, if they play like they did against Auburn on Saturday, uh, I like their chances quite a bit. All right. That's has been Jared Willis. He covers the Cubs and Sox at baseball at large for CHGO. You can go to all CHGO.com to read his articles. Jared, where can people follow you on social media? Um, they can find me on Twitter or slash X at at J Willis, J-W-Y-L-L-Y-S. And then on Instagram, it's just Jared Willis. Just spell out my full name and you'll find me. Excellent. And uh, well, definitely good to have you back on over this season. This is some great stuff as always. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, again, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. You know, no Sounds doubt. Good. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right. Much to get your success and thank you. Stay safe. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, all right, once again, that's CHGO's Jared Willis. Of course, you can catch this stuff on all, all city and all CHGO.com. Uh, of course, you can catch on the occasion on the podcast, the CHGO podcast. So, uh, Sid, uh, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to stretch and towel off some of you know, great yes. stuff as always, <laughs> Jared. <laughs> and uh, of course, we're going to talk some uh, Ify All Star. And what to do? What to do about uh, the All Star game? I know people are complaining about it, but do they have solutions? Well, we'll see if we can have some solutions coming up next. The Kingdom McGee, City Brown, Second City Sports, uh, Sports of <laughs> Chicago. Ify All Star recap coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. 
these scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Welcome back to the Monday edition, a special edition, the President's Day edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Soul Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your Shirley on the Twitter X and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow Lakeem McGee on the Twitter X. I can't again, the IG. We have less than 85, my 85 minutes left of this extravaganza, East of Media say. We have less than 85 minutes left of this extravaganza we call the Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always find us at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago YouTube. Type in those questions or comments to the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Definitely a tongue twister there. <laughs> uh, 
let's uh let, let's recap the nba all-star weekend uh <laughs> uh well okay well we'll start with the uh bill some of the other stuff from saturday uh, night uh damian lillard got his you know you know first time in his career back to back three point uh three point contest matt mcclung also uh went back to back in the, in the slam dunk uh tyrese halbert led the way for indiana you know beanie uh in the skills competition uh and of course the game itself whereas uh some folks are probably would rather not <laughs> forget <laughs> uh it's a I, I don't know Sid. i mean it, everyone look i didn't watch this like i'll admit i didn't watch a single minute of that uh of that all-star game uh yesterday because you know mainly because i want to keep my sanity <laughs> so uh, <laughs> but but the east did beat the west uh pretty easily and if you took the over in uh this game then you probably had a pretty uh you had a pretty solid uh night there one uh 211 and 183 as the east beat the west and of course dame wins MVP. So he had a, a pretty uh, nice weekend uh, there, you know, winning the the MVP for the also MVP for the first time in his career. But everyone was saying about you know the lack of defense and this and that. So uh, said I don't know if you watch any of the All Star uh, festivities. I did. Okay. So what what what's your what's your synopsis of everything? Here's the thing. I did watch the alternate broadcast. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I did watch the uh, alternate broadcast on True TV. It was Taylor Rooks, Charles Barkley, and Draymond Green. Uh, uh, I was looking for, uh, for like a better term, something salacious uh, that uh, Charles Barkley or Draymond Green would say, but they really didn't really step out too much, in my opinion. I know they brought on guest stars like comedian Mike Epps, who I believe is from Indianapolis. They brought mm-hmm. on Spike Lee as well, and they brought on some other celebrity. I, I, I apologize, but after a while, looking at the game got boring. I started listening to something else, and I had the game on, but I was listening to something else. That's how boring the actual game was. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a couple of moments in there that were that you can you can smile. I guess Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks missed the slam dunk before Damian Lillard on the mm-hmm. next play, uncontestedly, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, took a half court shot and made it, and the crowd went wild on that. But at the end of that game, Carl Anthony Towns, who's the self-proclaimed uh, the best shooting big man of all time, we'll see about that. But uh, he was doing so. Uh, he tried this one in between the legs, dunk and missed, and uh, it was just embarrassing. But you know, I heard Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks uh, after the game say he said both teams played hard. Uh, I love you, Giannis, but what game were you participating in? They look like a glorified open run gym. I'm just saying that the local YMCA, I'm just going to be honest, Lakina. Now, I know some people are going to say, well, they didn't play defense back in the day either, blah, blah, blah. But those players back in the day wanted it more. And, and I heard some people, this, saw some people this morning on social media talking about they should do like what MLB did years ago, uh, make it a home court advantage game. No, it's not going to work, people. No, 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 no. Don't do that. That's why baseball stopped it years ago. It's not going to work. I know television did takes a lot of things, but if you try to make it like what baseball did years ago and make it a home court advantage situation where a team wins, that's not going to happen. They tried the charity thing for the last few years, and it worked. And they tried the team, Giannis team, LeBron James thing. It worked for a minute, but in the long run, it got boring and it got suspect at best. So I don't know if you, you could do anything at this point, Lakina. It's just another weekend for the players that I, I know you, they almost get a week off now because they won't play again until Thursday. We'll give you the Thursday schedule coming up in shortly. But 
with them getting a week off now, Lakina, you, you, I don't know what you can do. Maybe you can come up with a solution or two. I don't know. But, you know, uh, not enough money is going to make these guys play any harder than what they do right now. And I know the second half of the season is most important, and, and we get that. But I don't know as much you could do to to make them play more competitively. I, I don't expect it to be a game seven of the NBA Finals, no, but I expect a at least a, a better effort than that. Well, I like I teased from, this from on, last night. Yeah, I mean, I look, I teased this on uh, on you know Twitter X uh, last night. I mean, look, unless you want to bring the and one guys, you know, bring them in and maybe have them do tricks. You know, help you have the players help them do tricks. You can judge that, you know, whatever. Try to do it that way for you know. We, we, you tried the skills competition and this and that. I mean, all the scenarios that you said, Sid. I mean, they tried it and the charity stuff. I mean. I, I don't know what more could you have done with that. Same thing, yeah. you know, look, you, you tried the team, you know, Giannis and team LeBron, like I said, it got boring after a while. I mean, there was really, is there really anything you could do at this point? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, let's do three on three, maybe, you know, do like a, like they, they do it over there. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you can do. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, we, we you watch some of those NBA All Star games in the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties, even if on YouTube from way back in the day. I mean, yeah, you know those little bit, and they they only had maybe like three or four days off at that time. Now they get a whole yeah. weekend. They don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, and to their, you know, the coaches probably don't want them to get hurt. They want to go full out. So you're kind of, if you're the NBA, you're kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place with your All Star game. I mean, I look, I I think with the All Star Saturday night uh, festivities, I think you should make. Have a, unless you get like some of the, I know Jalen Brown participated in the dunk contest. You know, he w- wasn't very good, but unless you get some of the big, you know, big names to participate in the dunk contest, let the three point, the three pointer is really, really the big, you know, big highlight. And, you know, Steph Curry beat us, Brian Eskew, uh, the WNBA star in that little, uh, little one on one there. Uh, but yeah, back to the game itself. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what you can do. Like, unless you, unless you do like maybe first like 150 or something like that and you win and, or do like do kind of like what they do in the NHL, do like a division thing where you have like all four divisions represented, or maybe mm. do like a maybe do like a name thing, or maybe have the co-captains, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know what else you can do. That might not be a bad idea, Lakin. I know technically they have divisions in, in basketball. Why they have them, I don't know, but they they need to do away with it. But that's all conversation for another time. Maybe we have something, Lakina. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe take I don't know. Maybe take the the. I know some people suggested North America versus the world. I know that it worked in the NHL in the nineties for them to, for those hockey players to get into Olympics, which eventually worked. But I don't know if it's going to work in the NBA because you have more foreign stars than you do American stars. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's going to work. Uh, it's, like like I said, that they dropped the charity element last night, and of course it's back to East versus West, but. You may be on to something, like Kenan. You may be on to something. I mean, look, it's just an idea. I mean, I, I, I mean, I kind of feel like you got to do something for our people to stop bitching about it. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually rewatched the replay of the game uh, earlier this earlier this morning, and it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> now I see why some people. <laughs> now I see why some people were complaining. But I don't know what what can you do to fix it. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Now. First, you're listening to Second City Sports on the special President's Day edition on the Monday right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Reviewing NBA All-Star Weekend 2024 for Indianapolis. Now, the slam dunk contest, Lakina, congrats to Matt McClung. He won it. Even he said uh, after the contest that 
uh, he didn't think it was his best performance, but he did the same dunks like he did last year and he won. I thought Jalen Brown's performance was okay. I, I, I Maybe it's just me, and it's okay. I expected a little bit better performance from him, especially I believe it was the first dunk of the finals, Lakina. Mm-hmm. He tried to do the D Brown dunk, but he did the right. eyes closed at after the dunk. Yes, I was like, what yeah. the heck was that? But I think that was his highest scoring dunk uh, of the night yeah. for him personally. <laughs> I, I know some people say bring the names and big names in, bring the big names in. That would help, but you can up the prize money, but most of those guys, if you want those big name guys to do it, they already have their money, i.e. endorsements. So right. uh, up and up the, uh, the prize money for them is, is really uh, is chump change in their pockets. Yeah, and I think you're not going to – and again, they don't want to risk inju- the injury, so uh, you're not going to get that. You did, you, did you, you did see Jaime uh, Jaquez uh, Jr., of course, the rookie. They actually had a little bit of a, 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 a video of him, you know, jumping off, I guess, his chair and, you know, dunking. Then he was jumping over Shaq in the first round. That, that was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually a nice dunk. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what more you can do. I mean, look, if you want uh, a boat, you know, want somebody to jump over both uh, Shaq and Women Yama, that might that might work. I mean, we did the Kia thing with Blake Griffin years ago. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe mean, I can fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you know, he, he, again, he only went from the front. He didn't go like, through the whole like in the in the in the rooftop. So that that's that was kind of like cheating. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you could do about the dunk contest either. I mean. You know, everything's been done. Like I said, get the A one guys there. Maybe you know, let them have some ideas. And, and, and from what I read, the heard the scoring was a little bit. You know, they were the judges were kind of like a little bit, you know, stingy with the scoring. They were kind of like rushing judges from way back when. So that might yeah, be some of the scoring right was suspect. Uh, let me tell you yeah. that some of that score was some of those the, the scoring was suspect. I know Kenny Smith uh, got railroaded by some people on social media by his commentary. Uh, about the slam dunk competition, but I don't think that's a bad idea. Like, you know, we, you know, I know you're on social media a little bit more than I am, but we've seen clips of N one guys, just guys mm-hmm. that play college ball in front of the playground. They have better creative dunks than some of these guys in the league right now. So, I will bring on one or two guys from uh, the N world, N one, one world to compete with these guys for the title. Especially with Matt McClungus, I know he's in the Orlando Magic uh, system playing for their G League team, but you can have him uh, and one guy and a couple of guys currently in the mm-hmm. NBA battle out for next year in San Francisco. I wouldn't mind that. That yeah, should I mean, bring more anticipation, more excitement to the dunk contest. Yeah, I would say, like, have them kind of, like, say, hey, I want you to do this, this, and this, or maybe you know, they can demonstrate it and see if the other players can mimic it, or at the very least – Something, you know, nothing from the trampoline because I know they don't want, you know, anybody to hurt themselves, but something that mm-hmm. you know, maybe bring them on to kind of like, you know, get their ideas, a little bit of their own creativity. Because we know, we know how some of those those guys are with their dunks. So, uh, look, it might, mm-hmm. might be something that they'll, that might be, you know, something that maybe they, maybe they should think about. Yeah. I know they tried the spin. I don't know if you remember this, Lakina. I do remember 2002 and I believe it was Philadelphia. They tried to spin the wheel. Thing and oh, it yeah, didn't I work. That. Yeah, you know, I think he was in that contest. I know Jason Richardson won it, uh-huh, but it was him, Gerald Wallace at the time with Sacramento, Steve Francis, who had a migraine that year. That's why he didn't do well in that contest. I forgot who else was in that contest, but they did the spin the wheel, try to do a dunk mm-hmm. from the past. And a couple of those dunkers could do it, but the rest of the competition was a uh, bad, and, and they got rid of that. I said, you could update that, update that now. Uh, with the uh, bringing an and one player, um, bring mm-hmm. in Matt McClung if he decides to defend, go for a three P next year in a couple of NBA guys. I don't think that's a bad idea. 
I mean, if it'll, 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 it'll definitely judge it up, I think, because it definitely needs it. So, uh, you know, that might be something to look uh, to, to look at. Uh, the three-point contest, like I said, I think that's probably the most premier event. Of this that's the most game. exciting. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, Dame, you know, Dame you know, got back-to-back for the first time in his career, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was actually – I thought that was probably the best part about it. Of course, other than, of course uh, – uh, Steph Curry as Rian Nescu, uh, that little battle there, of course. Uh, Curry edged edge out, you know, by one point, 29 to 28. That was actually pretty exciting as well. Yeah, the, yeah, Kane Smith's commentary, from what I heard, I think he offended a lot of people. So I'm just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think it was it was exciting. Uh, I, I heard that Jalen Brunson didn't do very well in, the, in there. So, uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, actually, like I said, he had a decent score, but. Um, the, the other players in front of him had a, a had a, a better did, score. Yeah, yeah I know Cat did pretty well too. Yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, think he, I think yeah, I think it was him and Dame. I think for the finals. Yeah, him and Dame it was in the finals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think Dame just edged him out uh, by twenty with what twenty. And I think uh, Cali had like twenty five or twenty six. So mm-hmm. they just edged him. It out. did another yeah. one on the last basket he made. So yeah, and that's what uh, made it dramatic. So Damian Lillard, as you mentioned, is your three point shooting champion. Now the whole Sabrina versus Steph thing. Call me crazy, and they people can get at me. That's okay. I respect both of them, but I thought it was a waste of time to be honest yeah. with you. That's, that's why just I me. Really, yeah, I, both no, no, those I mean, players are great in their own and in their own yeah. right. I know Sabrina said it at the uh, at, at the interview at the end of that competition. It doesn't matter if a boy you a girl or a girl you if you're a shooter, keep shooting, keep practicing, and this and that. Which was she was correct, but I thought that whole thing was a waste of time. I actually turned from it because I was just like, okay, like. I think uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess it was a marketing thing. That's probably why they did it. But it just seemed like look, they're both great. Surely like you said, you know, Sabrina's a great player, WBA player in her own right. We know all the stuff Steph has done, all his accomplishments mm-hmm. and championships. So uh, it's fine, whatever. I mean, like, well, well I, it's more mar- It was more marketing than anything else. I just think it was a little bit silly, but whatever. <laughs> what yeah, this is like the 1970s where I mean, you, you didn't see women's sports and women's sports like wasn't around like that, like it is now. So. If this was the 70s, okay, but like I said, this is 2024, and I don't think there's a need for that. That's just me personally, but. Yeah, well, all that stuff got about 10 million uh, viewers across uh, TNT and True TV, of course, all the Discovery, Warner Bros. Discovery Network, so that's actually about 54% more than last year. So somebody's watching it, so if you're you're Warner Bros. Discovery, Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, hey, you know what, (laughs) maybe we're be onto something. It, it's, it's going to help with their negotiations with the NBA because their contract with the league runs out at the end of next season. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. All right. Listen, I can see sports on sports on Chicago. Lakeena McGee, Sydney Brown with you. We still got a few more minutes. So where do you want to go to next? I'm just empty out my thoughts, Lakeena. You know, as a basketball fan, as a sports junkie, as a basketball fan in general, I look forward to these all-star weekends, but the last All-Star Weekend I really looked forward to was 2020 before uh, the, the world shut down. Of course, we were doing our show from downtown. Shout out Jason mm-hmm. Pfeiffer as well. RIP mm-hmm. to the late, great Lamont Scott. But mm-hmm. we were in studio. We had Matt Peck at that time. He was with yeah. NBC Sports Chicago. And we had, a, we had a great time doing that whole show for two hours. And this, the city was buzzing. Yes, it was really cold for one day. It wasn't as warm as it is now for four years later in the month yeah. of February. But <laughs> Now, that was the last All-Star weekend I was jazzed about, and you, you can see the city was buzzing. Of course, we all know well, what happened when Zach Levine was interviewed that next day, that Friday, on mm-hmm. first take, and 
you know, fire guard packs. Even the chant was twice. You know, Stephen A. told those people to shut up. But the Bulls fans' voices were heard at that time. And it, I, I know time brings on the change and things change as we go through life and we go through time. But I'll be honest here, Lakina, and I did plan on doing this anyway, which I did on Saturday. I don't know about you, but I went on my YouTube portion mm-hmm. of my remote in my in my front room. I watched all those stay in school celebrations from the 90s and early 2000s. That was the most enjoyable part about my weekend, to be honest with you. I know the one from 91 and the one from 1998 is not up on YouTube. Someone please get it up there. Just say it. But remember, Lakina, back in the day, your Mm -hmm. all-star weekend started with that Saturday morning special with the stay in school celebration. I know it turned the team up. And then, of course, Read to Achievement and turned to after the year 2000. I believe it was 2002 when they started that. And then a couple of years later, they just stopped it. But it started on that Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. And then you had your All-Star Saturday night on TNT. And then you had the game the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the, the NBA was growing at that time. A large part was because of Michael Jordan, even though he didn't do the media stuff, especially after he came he came back to the game. But it was just a nostalgic time, Lakina. It was, num- you know, the NBA was number one in the United States. The NFL was just starting to catch up. And obviously, look look at where it is now. I, I saw some comments on, um, I think it's Retro Dump on Instagram, I believe it was. I don't know. Folks, just follow. They do everything from sports to uh, old school TV shows and, and whatnot. And I saw one comment commenter said that they should bring those, uh, stay in school, um, do something for the kids to bring that back. I said, uh, it's a good idea, but let's be realistic. In the, in the world that we live in now, in social media and the internet, remember, we didn't have that in the 90s. The internet mm-hmm. started taking off in the late 90s into early 2000s. But, and there was no social media, no cell phones back then. But given where we live now in social media, in the social media age, do you think that the stay in school celebrations would be oh, a good no. idea? No. Especially since, especially here in Chicago, where we know that a lot of a lot of the young people here don't go to school, and you know, my mom and I we talk about it all the time. You know, they don't have truant officers, they don't have you know those type of things to kind of keep everybody in check. They they held us in check during the nineties mm-hmm. and in the in early two thousands. They just stopped doing it. So I, it sounds like a good idea, but I don't think that'll work, especially with today's kids and you know today's times with all the technology. Like you said, I just don't think I just don't see it happening. It was just that at the time, like uh, like I said, the NBA was reaching out to the younger fans. Of course, they were they were part of the movement of playing hip hop music, which they still are now. But you saw the beginning stages back then. Of course, as I mentioned, they expanded to it went from staying in school to read. I'm all for reading. Of course, we read articles every day and you know reading books and whatnot. And of course, it, and it, after that, it went from that until until get involved with your community, you know, community projects and things along that line, which was, I thought was a great idea. I was doing that uh, as a part of my curriculum in high school, and I was doing it outside of school as well. Uh, Your truly was doing that as well. So me personally, not to say, not to sound facetious or anything, but I didn't need the NBA to tell me to do that. I was already doing that, doing that on a personal note. But uh, it's just for me, it was a, a nostalgia. It was a great time. Uh, you, you saw that the NBA was growing into pop culture back then. Yes, it was starting in the 80s. But like, uh, like you said, Lakina, would it be great today? But how would you keep kids' attention? Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Right. Well, no, I think attention spans for really everybody are, are very short now. So if mm-hmm. you're going to say, hey, 
you know, unless you kind of like give them some incentives, like, hey, you know, you read this many books and go to a game or you know, if, if the All-Star uh, you know, weekend is in your city, maybe, you know, give those kids in those areas some incentives, perhaps maybe, look, if you, you know, read this amount of books or if you do book reports, reports or whatever, I don't know, they still do them, but, you know, or e-readers, whatever they do now, and perhaps maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, they can come to the All-Star game, perhaps maybe even participate in some of the activities, I think. You kind of make you gotta have to make it a little bit more enticing, and we'll, we'll actually do NBA inside stuff. We gotta do that, Sid, uh, for old school TV Monday down the line because yeah, uh, we did before, but we'll do it again, right? Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did do that. My, my bad, like, yeah, no, it's, like it's, it was a little while ago, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you just got you gotta have to think of some of the kind of like new ways to kind of like make everything you know pop and make you know, like you said, you know. Market your market your stars better. Market your younger stars. Market your Anthony Edwards, your Shy Gilligan Alexander. You know, a lot of people wouldn't know. Like, wait, oh, they play for Minnesota. They play for uh, Sacramento or OKC. You gotta market, and I think maybe does a good job marketing, but it feels like they're not marketing their younger guys. We know they market LeBron and Steph and and Bead and of course Jokic and the rest of them. But your your next year guys like the Shy Gilligan Alexanders and. Um, your Anthony Edwards. I mean, those are the guys that need to start promoting because you know, it, it, soon enough they're going to be, you know, taking over the NBA by storm. So you got to have to market your guys too, and I think that's another problem that the NBA has. And we had to give the late great commissioner David Stern credit on that. He started marketing these stars when he took over in, in February of 1984. Of course, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson was ahead of that. Of course, when Michael Jordan joined the league via the draft in that spring of 84, he was marketing to the nth degree. And we mentioned with those programs um, for the kids in the 90s, they marketed not just the big time stars, but those stars that they were making their first time mm -hmm. all-star appearance. So I was watching the one in 97. Remember Tom Gugliotta? Ah, yes, he made yes. his first all-star game in the city of Cleveland. He was playing for the Timberwolves at the time. The Timberwolves mm -hmm. were an up and coming team with Garnett and Marbury. He made an appearance on the team up celebration mm -hmm. and, and you saw Terrell Brandon, remember yep. him? Uh, yep. uh, he made an appearance on, on that program. So, yeah, young, younger stars making, a, making appearances on those programs as well, as long as you're big-time stars. But let's give our, uh, our our new guy now. We had him on at this time last week, Ryan James of WVON's yeah. Fundamentals. And he brought up that same point as well, like you just did. You know, market is some of your younger stars, like John Moran. I know he's injured this year, but John Moran, Shea Gildas Alexander, Anthony Edwards, to, uh, uh, to an extent, Carl Anthony Towns. Even though they're in smaller markets, we've seen guys that play the mid-markets and smaller markets get marketed before through the history of the league within the last 35, 40 years. Carmelo Anthony, mm -hmm. anyone, before he went to the Knicks, he was mm -hmm. with Denver. Denver's a bigger city. I know they're not considered a small market, but he was a big-time star, especially after the way he did in Syracuse for that one year. But uh, he was marketed Dwight Howard, Orlando, anyone? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So the league has done it before, and, and like you said, and like what our guy Ryan James last week said on the program, the NBA has to get back to marketing, not just the big-time stars. I know that's what this, they sell, but it's all all those other stars that's going to uh, lead the league into the future. Uh, they're going to have to carry on their legacy as well. And don't forget Io. Io DeSumo, I mean, a Chicago kid playing for his hometown team. I mean, hello. Hello, marketing. Hello, yep. you know, the guy you can market. We look, we know he's great, you know, in, in front of the camera. So, like, come on now. Or right, Kobe White too. He went to uh, North. He went to North Carolina. So, uh, I mean, hello. But well, what do we know, Sid? I guess. <laughs> what do we know, Sid? About uh, <laughs> but this is a great discussion as usual. We'll, we'll probably have you talking more about this down the line as well. But uh, 
Hour number one in the books. Hour number two straight ahead. It looks like I see sports, uh, sports of Chicago. Of course, we're going to go to the college uh, hardwood uh, as uh, Ohio State uh, says Purdue toodles with their uh, interim head coach. And, of course, some great uh, games. As, you know, we talked about the Kentucky uh, big, Kentucky's big win against uh, Auburn. Uh, from the set, from uh, uh, over the weekend with Jared, and of course we'll talk some hockey. We'll do that hockey as, of course, Connor Bedard makes his return known for the Black for the Blackhawks, and of course the stadium series games that went on, and of course a legend a legend finally got his jersey retired, and of course old school TV Monday and so much more in between. Lakina McGee, City Battle, Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. A busy hour two coming up right after this. my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's just supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference.
Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports on this special Monday edition, the President's Day edition of the program. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. You can follow your truly Cindy Brown on the Twitter, X in the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keaton McGee on the Twitter, X at Kills in the IG. We have less than one hour left of this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always find us at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comment section. Lakino will get them up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can find us live in the living color, not now, but right now on Roku TV. Okay, Sid, and uh, we forgot to be. We got to pay off this tea, Sid. We, we were talking about the NBA schedule for Thursday. We just got we got so uh, enthralled by our, our debate mm-hmm. about the the old NBA All Star uh, you know, weekends of old. But uh, this is for Thursday, folks. When everyone comes back, you got Orlando and Cleveland at six. You got Detroit and Indiana at six as well. Should be a good one here. You got New York and the Knicks and Philadelphia. That should be a fun one. Brooklyn and Toronto. A good one here in the first game with the NBA uh, of, of TNT's doubleheader as, as fans go up against Dallas. That should be a good one at 6.30. Of course, the Bulls host the Celtics at 7 o'clock. Yeah, you re- finish reading out the rest of that schedule. <laughs> All right, Houston and New Orleans at 7. You got the Clippers and OKC at 7. That should be a good one. Wizards and Nuggets, Charlotte and Utah. The Lakers and the Warriors at the second game of the TNT Thursday doubleheader. Should be a good one there. And a uh, good one here. Uh, San Antonio, of course, but then with Miyama against the Kings at 9 o'clock. So, and that's your schedule for th- Thursday night in the NBA. All right. Now, let's get into that college hoops talk. Lakina, we'll start out with our local teams. We'll go to Saturday's action. The Illinois defining line, unlike last week at Michigan State, they actually win an, another road game in the Big Ten. They take care of Maryland in a tough battle by the score of 85-80. to 80. Jameer Young scored a game-high 28 for the Terrapins. Well, for the final line, Terrence Shannon scored 27 points. The line line shot the ball well from three-point land in that first half. They struggled in the second half, but they shot the ball well overall at 48%, and they turned the ball over nine times, and, they, and even though they were minus five in the rebounding department overall, they made some key stops in the last few minutes of their game, and they made some big baskets as well. Yeah, uh, and it was such a pretty emotional day over there in College Park, Maryland. Of course, the legendary head coach from Maryland, Charles F. Drizzle, passed away early mm-hmm. that morning. And you kind of wonder that, okay, will Maryland, you know, feed off of that? And I know they had a moment of silence from before the game. Illinois, you know, we're like, hey, look, we were big fans of Mr. Drizzle, Coach Drizzle as well, but, you know, we're not, you know, sorry, folks. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that was a big one for the uh, Illini. And, uh, you know, 85 points, Terrence Shannon Jr. made some big shots late for the Illini. So uh, a solid win for the Illini in a very, probably very emotional, uh, emotional day down there in, uh, in College Park. And also, too, the Illini were excellent from the free throw line, uh, 32 and 36 for 88%, as we mentioned. Uh, they made the big stops when they had to. They made some big shots when they had to. They also made their free throws, and that's the uh, name name of the game on any level. High school, college, pros. You, you, if you're if you are able to make your free throws, you supposed to win the majority of your games, and that's what the Illini did. Yeah, they, uh, look. Well, hopefully they can kind of keep it up you know, as we get closer, closer to March. We only got about a few more weeks left for selection Sunday, so uh, mm-hmm. that'll be uh, interesting there. And I uh, just want to uh, really quick uh, synopsis about Mr. Lefty Drizell. Uh, the only coach to to lead four schools in his NCAA tournament, and 
coach guys like Lynn Elmore, Tom McMillan, um, among others, and just a really uh, great coach, of, of course, you know, Georgia State, you know, another team that he, you know, he took to the tournament, but probably his most re- most remember uh, spots for when he was at Maryland. And, of course, that game, which is probably probably the most well-known game in 1974, you had NC State in Maryland, two great legendary teams. Of course, David Thompson was, uh, you know, was in uh, North Carolina State there, and you know, John Lucas and, uh, of course, Lenny Moore were in the same uh, front court for Maryland. And at that time, only one team could go to the tournament. So that, that game was for the ACC title. And, of course, of course, the State, you know, won that game. Of course, Maryland couldn't, you know, couldn't go, unfortunately. There was only, like, I think it was like, there was like 32 teams at the time. So uh, mm-hmm. I know you put it all in perspective there. And, of course, if you check, you know, check out Lefty Giselle's, uh uh induction uh, speech in the Brassball Hall of Fame from, I think it was, a, I think it was 2019, where, uh, he shared a really uh, funny story about him and uh, Coach K. You know, they they coached together. They had their battles. And, uh, of course, if you, you know, it, it was hilarious. He was a very funny, still very sharp for his age. He, he died at age 92. But uh, he was a really great coach and a really an even better guy. Yeah. Of course, uh, part of his legacy would be what, unfortunately, what happened to Lynn Bias back in 1986. And, of course, he was dismissed because – uh, like I said, we won't get into all that. Check out that 30 for 30 special on Lynn Bias if you have ESPN Plus. That gets more deep into it right there. But that left the stain on his record for a while. But like you said, looking at all the other accomplishments that he had he had um, achieved in the world of college basketball, uh, it shouldn't it shouldn't um, it should trump what happened with Lynn Bias. It was a bump in the road. But you know, like I said, he had a great coaching career, had a lot of success, and. And his his memory will never and his legacy will definitely not be forgotten. It should not be remembered just what happened to Len Bias, but it's bigger than what happened uh, on that tragic day in June of '86. Yeah, we'll, yes, yeah, so we'll rehash that. But like you said, the, the mm-hmm. 30 for 30 is on YouTube. So without without bias, that's the name of it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. I'm sure it streams somewhere as well. So you guys can check that out. We won't get into it, but uh, let's talk. Let's go back to on the court now for college who's Sticking with Saturday's games. Uh, UConn sent a message, a big message. Uh, they beat Marquette 81 53. Donovan's uh, Klingon had 17 points leading the way for the Huskies. And we've been talking about them for the last few weeks. And they you know, that you this UConn team is even better than last year's UConn team that won a national championship. And uh, they're 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 very scary, yeah. Like I said before, a couple weeks ago, this tournament will be wide open as ever. No one expected UConn to win the title last year, uh, they came out on top. Could, can they do it again? Sure, but I, I believe it's going to be much more uh, tougher competition this year. And now uh, we talked about the line a few minutes ago. Do I see them as a Final Four team? Me personally, no. But the way they're playing, they could get there. It depends on them uh, on their matchups. Obviously, when we, once we get to March Madness, but this tournament is wide open. And I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but we're going to keep saying this until Selection <laughs> Sunday on Sunday, March seventeenth. So uh, get ready, folks. Uh, what we have now with the, not just with the NIL rule name image alignments, but obviously with the transfer portal going on right now, uh, the, these, uh, these powerhouse teams, uh, they look vulnerable more than ever in your middle of the road, uh, your, uh, your middle of the road schools. I think they, uh, they had a, a small advantage in the years past. They had, I think they have more of a, a bigger advantage now. Yeah, yeah, they do, and uh, you know, they made look. We saw what happened uh, last year: Florida, Atlantic, San Diego State. You know, made all the way to Final Four, so mm-hmm. it can happen. Uh, Arizona, no trouble with Arizona State. Houston, they got the best of Texas. Kansas got a big win in Norman against Porter Moser's uh, Oklahoma Sooners crew. 
Uh, Tennessee, I mean, this is like 33 to 8 at one point. Uh, they, they, they had no trouble with Vanderbilt. Uh, Duke pulled away from Florida State. Iowa State, yo, they're kind of like inching up right up there with Houston and Kansas. That should be a fun one. They got, some, they got a couple of big games coming up. We'll talk about that in a second. LSU with a big upset over South Carolina, edging them out. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, Baylor, no trouble with West Virginia. We talked about uh, this game with Jared earlier in the show. U- uh, UK, Kentucky uh, pulled away from Auburn 70 to 59. <laughs> that's another, that's, but that, that's a big win for a uh, coach. Uh, if he's a coach, John Calipari in Kentucky. We talked about them and Gonzaga a couple weeks ago, almost two weeks ago now, um, meeting up there in the late in the year in Rupp Arena. Gonzaga got the best in them. We all thought that Kentucky was left for dead in the water, but uh, Coach Calipari is still behind his kids, and they if they finish the season strong in the SEC, uh, they can have a surprise. They may have a surprise running them in the SEC tournament, and they could probably get a higher a bid in the NCAA tournament than what we thought coming into the year. Should be interesting these next few weeks. Uh, of course, you talked about Illinois and Maryland. Of course, uh, Alabama. No trouble with Texas A&M. Dayton, we'll talk about a team because there's a team, local team here that's uh, right there in their heels. But, but they did beat Fordham on Saturday. Uh, Creighton got their revenge against Butler. Oklahoma State with a nice upset win over BYU. Iowa with the was actually a pretty entertaining game, oddly enough. You know, it actually pretty was. Uh, Iowa got the best of Wisconsin. Wisconsin's just a they're kind of in free fall right now, but you know, I don't think they should worry too much. Uh, Wisconsin, I mean, their, their seating might be a big, you know, might suffer a bit, but uh, UVA, uh, no trouble. Wait for uh, just edge out wait for so if you took the under, you had a nice little start to your weekend. Uh, Southern Illinois, Brian Hoarder is Hoarder is guys, yeah, upset Indiana State, uh, 74 69. They're right there in the thick of it in the uh, Missouri Valley. And uh, this after everyone was touting Indiana State, oh, it could be a team to watch mm-hmm. for. Well, they lost to two Illinois teams. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sorry about that, folks. Uh, TC over K-State, Nebraska, yeah, keeping their near-perfect uh, home record alive. Uh, let me see. And that's pretty much it. I mean, some of the big uh, teams, Kansas State beat Northern Illinois. Um, let's see here. Any other? Oh, um, um. No, go ahead, Sid. Sorry. Uh, going back to yesterday, going going back to local basketball, of course, Rhode Island loses to Loyola Chicago. The Ramblers get it done by 10, 77 Yay. to uh, 67. Coach um, Drew Valentine is having his kids play their hearts out for him. They slowly creep it up in the Atlantic 10. It's going to be interesting how that team finishes off the season and what they do in that 8-10 tournament because I hate to say it, Lakina, you may get an extra bid. I'm, I'm stepping out on, on the limb here. You may – Get an extra bit, but but if you're Loyola, I wouldn't depend on that. You still had to win that, uh, finish the season, regular season strong, and you had to win that A-10 tournament. Of course, Northwestern, we talked about on Friday. This was a big game for them uh, on the road at Indiana. Indiana's free-falling. The, the Northwestern Wildcats defeated the, the Indiana Hoosiers in Bloomington, 76-72. Northwestern, they took care of the basketball, as we talked about all season long, Lakina. Chris Collins' crew, they get after you defensively in your chest. They forced 11 turnovers from the Hoosiers. And even though the Wildcats didn't shoot the ball well, uh, like I said, they got on the boards, even though it was a plus one advantage on the rebounding department, 38 to 37. It was all about defense uh, for Northwestern in this game. And they got some big buckets down the stretch. 
Yes, they did. They really needed this win after what happened earlier uh, last week. So uh, that was a a good, nice bounce back win for Chris Collins and his crew. And uh, of course, want to go back to Saturday. Stay locally, Western Illinois. They're stay within the striking distance of the of the uh, Ohio Valley. So uh, they got a nice win against Tennessee Tech. Uh, yeah, just yeah. De- DePaul lost to Providence. And I think if you're a DePaul fan, you just want the look. I think at this point, if you're a DePaul fan, you just want the season to be over with. I mean, it can't be over soon enough so you can find a head coach. You know, look, look, I know Chris Holtman's out there, but for me, I think as far as DePaul is concerned, I don't want to go into a tangent here, but uh, as far as DePaul is concerned, they need to give whoever they end up, whoever they end up hiring, they need to give him all the research that that he's going to need to help recruit because you look look at where Detroit Mercy they just they got their first win the season just this last mm-hmm. week you don't want to be in that situation where I know it's not going to be hard it's not going to be uh that's not going to happen because you're in the Big East but I mean that's just just, just no day later for you <laughs> or NIL stuff you know for the or Oliver Purnell Look, look, I'm so pissed. Look, 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 look. You had Steve Lavin and uh yo, God rest his soul, Rick Majerus, who wanted the job before they got to Oliver Purnell. And you know, look what happened. So yeah. I know I know some people say maybe John Shire probably should have gotten the job, but mm, I, I think I think if you're him, I think you're you're in a better situation at your alma mater. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Ohio State with a nice win against Purdue. I know that uh uh of course you know Jake Deaver, of course he's the uh the interim coach. At Ohio State, so a nice, up, nice upset win for uh, him and his guys. I know that's their biggest win this season so far. And I know Coleman Hawkins had a little bit of a tweet. You saw that little, little, little gift with Skeletor and the Pleasant Day uh, thing. So uh, look, they play. Look, Illinois and Purdue played each other in a couple of weeks. So uh, you better put your money where your mouth is and uh, back it up with all that talk. But I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A couple of the scores from from yesterday's action Sunday. Illinois State gets a big win over Evansville, 86-79. And my Memphis Tigers, Penny Hardaway and crew, they get destroyed by SMU 106 to 79. As as Memphis still tries to climb back into the top of that American Conference, I still believe that they're a tournament team, but they got to have a stronger finish to the end of this regular season. And they usually do well in the conference tournament, but they got to finish the regular season strong first. Yeah, they, they, they usually do pretty well in their conference tournament. They went all the way to the finals the last uh, few years. So uh, mm-hmm. I think if you're, you know, that, 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 this does not help the way they play yesterday. But, but SNU is one of those that, you know, when they're on, they're on. You know, they can shoot the ball very well, especially from three. So uh, there, there was, there was really, Penny, Penny, these guys could not, wasn't going to be able to stop that yesterday when they were in a, on a roll. So, uh, you know, not, not their fault there. But uh, let's talk about this week's game, Sid. As I can see, sports on sports on Chicago, Lakeena McGee, Sydney Brown with you. Uh, Chicago State, I guess this is a makeup game. Uh, they're playing Indiana University Northwest and NIA school right now. I'm sure I'm sure it's streaming on their on their website uh, somewhere. But probably the biggest game of tonight is a top ten matchup. You got Iowa State, who I think this is like the highest they've been in a long time. They're at number six as they face number two Houston at eight o'clock in Big Monday. Yeah, Houston, uh, a couple weeks ago, they lost big time at Kansas and Lawrence, Kansas against the Jayhawks. They need a bounce back performance tonight. Uh, They're at home. I'm talking about Houston. Uh, Kelvin Sampson has those guys in the top five, and they rank number two right now in the country. This is a big big game for both teams. I think Houston, I believe, is a bigger game for them them to be dominant and get back on track. I expect Houston to take it tonight. I don't think it's going to be a blowout fashion, but uh, it's going to be a grounded out type of game type of uh, game. 
Typical Big 12 uh, game here, probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could come down. It could come down to who finished at the top because Iowa, uh, Iowa State is, like, right there behind Houston the way all the tiebreakers mm-hmm. work. So uh, this could be for, like, the top of the table in the Big 12 conference, at least for right now anyway. <laughs> we got still got a few more weeks before uh, March. Uh, also, too, uh, K-State and Texas at 8 o'clock on ESPN2. So we got a, a double dose of great Big 12 matchups here um, tonight, Monday. Going to Tuesdays, you got Tennessee and the Fighting Mike Burmas. I know Missouri has not been playing very well this year, but I'm sure they would love to play a little bit of spoiler because Tennessee is like right there in the thick of it for that number one seed and one of the number one seeds. So uh, that should be a good one down there in Columbia. Yeah, Syracuse and NC State will do battle at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. This is a schedule for Tuesday on the ACC Network at the same time. Boston College versus Florida State. Florida State has fallen. They're uh, one game over 500 at 13 and 12. Iowa and Michigan State will do battle at, at 6 o'clock. Of course, Tom Izzo's crew up there in East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, they, they did beat uh, University of Michigan on Saturday. Uh, ever since the Illinois game last weekend, or a little bit over a week ago, they've been on the roll ever since. Uh, they look to keep it going against Iowa in Big Ten play. Definitely need to keep that uh, momentum going if they want to get into one of those at-large bids. So uh, this is a big, mm-hmm. big, this is a big game for both teams in the Big Ten. Now in the Big East, you got a good one here F, uh, on FS1 tomorrow night at seven thirty. You got number one UConn against number eight, number fifteen Creighton in Omaha. So that should be a fun one. It could be a shooting fest. So I probably would take the over uh, in yeah. this one. Uh, Baylor and BYU in the Big Twelve. That should be a fun one at eight o'clock on ESPN. And I think this is their first. Trip to Pro Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. I'm talking about Baylor, so that should be a this should be an exciting game. Yep. At the same time, tomorrow on yeah tomorrow on CBS Sports Network number 19, the San Diego State Aztecs will play Utah State, and also at eight o'clock tomorrow, ESPN two TCU will battle number 23 Texas Tech. The Red Raiders will be the home team for that one. And at the same time, on Peacock and Big Ten action. Maryland will travel to Madison, Wisconsin, to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. I think this is a bigger game for Wisconsin. As you mentioned, they've been slipping lately. Their record shows it now at 17-9. and nine. The Badgers need to get back on track. I know they were at the, the uh, they're at number four in that four line, you know, with that, you know, the top sixteen, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't, you know, don't pay attention to that, folks, because it's going to change the next few weeks. So I was, I would say, don't pay attention to that. Don't freak out if you see one team higher or lower than they should be. It's, it's, it's all going to sort itself out. I think Wisconsin definitely needs to get this game going here. St. Mary's on ESPN two, they host San Francisco. And uh, Wyoming and Nevada on CBS Sports Network also at ten o'clock. This because this could be an elimination game for uh for the at large purposes in the Mountain West. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Now going to Wednesday's action, Murray State will travel to Carbondale, Illinois, to face the Southern Illinois Salukis. That's at seven o'clock on ESPN Plus for Southern Illinois seventeen ten on the year. That of course they upset. Indiana State uh, over the weekend. Of course, in Missouri Valley action, once again, Missouri State at 15 and 12. They'll host Bradley, who they're 18 and 9 on the year. That's a big mm-hmm. game for Bradley. We'll see if they can win a, get a big game on the road in conference play. And of course, Nebraska, Indiana will do battle at 7 30. Nebraska mm-hmm. is 18 and 8 on the year. As we talked about Lakina all season long, Fred Hoybert's crew, the Cornhuskers, they're great at home, but they struggle to win a Big Ten road game. They definitely need this. They want to. Uh, I think they're in the tournament, but I think they are getting a, a role win would help 
So uh, yes. I think this might be something that this might be something that uh, Fred Horvath and those guys really need. Uh, number six, Duke against Miami. That's at six o'clock on ESPN. A good one here. You got Florida. They're probably uh, creeping up. You know, no one's really paying attention to them, but they've been playing very well. They're at number twenty-four. They're back right for the first time in a few years. They face Alabama on ESPN two at six. Uh, Dayton, of course, if you're a Loyola fan, you're watching this game as they face George Mason on ESPN+. Plus. They're right there. I think they're about a game and a half out of the uh, top spot in the A-10. So uh, if you're Dayton, you're definitely cheering for George Mason. That uh, I, look, Okay, uh, great Drew Valentine. You know, I, I, look, I was just being nice here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> DePaul and Marquette on FS1 at 8 o'clock. Uh, Kentucky and LSU, that should be a good one at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Colorado State, New Mexico at nine on CBS Sports Network and UNLV and Air and Air Force on, at 10 o'clock on FS1. All right, let's go to Thursday's action in the world of college basketball. If you get the schedule up here, oh, we'll have we have one game. Um, sorry, we'll have a couple of games in the top 25 on Thursday. We'll have Rutgers at number three, Purdue. That's at 6 p.m. on FS1. This is for Thursday. And then. Uh, the late game on FS1 on Thursday at 10 o'clock Chicago time. We'll have number 21 Washington State. The Cougars will travel to Arizona to take on the number four ranked Wildcats. That should be a fun because Wazoo's been playing pretty well uh, as of late. That's why they're in the top 20. I think this is the first time they've been there, I think, since Clay Thompson was there. If I'm not, I might, it might, I might be like a couple years off or a couple years closer on that one. But yeah, that should be a fun one uh, at Arizona. I know the, they play uh, they play Arizona close in their meeting in Pullman. So uh, that should be mm-hmm. a fun one there. Also, Oregon and Stanford at 10 o'clock on ESPN2. Yep. And that's your schedule for college basketball for this upcoming week. Uh, so enjoy all the action. We'll have the recaps for you uh, on our next show on Friday. Lakina, as we said before, March selection Sunday is Sunday, March seventeenth, mm-hmm. and I believe it's a, it's a little bit, little bit less than a month away. But I believe it's three weeks left for most schools, at least for your big time schools left in the regular season. For some of you, is some of those mid major conferences. I believe it's two weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's all come down to the wire, and we'll see who separates themselves. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting with that, though, especially those number one seeds. I mean, could be a little bit of a seesaw here. I know, um, I know, I saw uh, where I think right now it's Purdue, UConn, Arizona, and Houston. Those are your number four seeds as of right now. But like I said, all that could change depending on how they do in the conference tournaments and how they finish the season, whatever. And some of the bubble teams, if you're a bubble team like a Michigan State or one of the mountain, I'll say, I'll say Boise State, one of the Mountain West teams. I mean, you really need to kind of like get it going these last few weeks to kind of, you know, pressure the resume, you know, make the make a good impression to your committee, your the, the, to the committee. Don't have any bad losses, i.e., Chicago State. If you're Northwestern, hope that doesn't yeah. come at the price, but, <laughs> among other things. So yeah, this is definitely a time of year where you definitely want to uh, beef up those resumes. Yeah, a couple of the game, games of note to pass along for Thursday. Of course, Northwestern will host John Howard's Chicago's very own Michigan Wolverines. That's at 8 o'clock on Thursday on FS1. Uh, still another big game for Northwestern as they try to march towards another 20-win season. Chris Collins and crew, their game would be in Evanston. And of course, at the same time on ESPN+, Plus, we'll have Gonzaga facing the University of Portland. Gonzaga's 26 looking out. Let me ask you about Gonzaga. Do you think they're in the tournament today? Because them it's going to come down to them in St. Mary's in a West Coast Conference tournament. If they win, they I know they have a, I know they have a game with them in a couple of weeks. 
So if they win that game, that could help them a little bit, but they're going to have to win their conference tournaments again to the dance. There, there's no if, there's a but about it. There's okay. really that, that, that Kentucky win did help a little bit, but yeah, they need more quad one wins, as they say, and uh, they don't, mm. they just don't have it at, at this point. Before we close out to take the bottom of the hour break, I want to ask you about Rick Pitino. Uh, of course, uh, he's um, back coaching uh, with St. John's this year. I know they had another bad loss over the weekend. Uh, what was I was trying to find out? What was the big controversy that he started going off on a rant after uh, after the game on Saturday? Terrell, tell us about it. Yeah, uh, I guess he went on a little bit of a rant, and I guess because I think they were up by like eleven or like eight or nine with about like two minutes left, and Seton Hall came back and won the game. And I guess he went on a little bit of a tangent, saying that, well, you know, well, you saw, oh, look, if you remember when he was with Boston, he said, you know, Larry Burns will walk through a door. I, I mean, I, I don't know if he said like, you know, Chris Mullen is going to walk through that door or Felipe, Felipe Lopez, you know, go all the way back. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Or run our test, you know, before, you know, yeah. before, mm -hmm. before the name changed. But yeah, I, I mean, yo, you recruited a lot of those guys, uh, Coach Patino. Just saying. I mean, that's a whole different roster. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be like a good breakout year for uh, St. John's. It's not happening at this point. So again, hence all the tangents and whatnot. But I mean, he's 71 years old. I mean, you wonder if, if they're not going to fire him, but you wonder if this is going to get to the point where he might retire, if this, especially if things don't improve next year, especially. Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, look, you saw, I'm sure you saw some of his colleagues. You saw uh, Jim Behind, he retired. Rick, you know, Roy Wills, I should say. And uh, mm -hmm. of course, we all know Jay Wright retired a few years ago. So I think maybe he's starting to realize that, okay, maybe those guys were onto something. I'm not saying he's going to retire because, you know, he has too much, I think he has too much pride to do that. But yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. I know his I mean, son is coach, still coaching too, correct? New Mexico. He's paying, they're having a good season too, New Mexico. And uh, his, his, his style is totally different from his, though. Like, yeah, of course. But yeah. yeah here, here's the thing I know he brought excitement back to New York City. Mm -hmm. I know, as you mentioned, with all those uh, legendary names are retiring, recruiting is different, as we mentioned with the uh, name, image, and likeness room. Of course, the transport portal has a lot to do with that as well. So, you know, New York City next to Chicago is the, is the mecca of mm -hmm. basketball. And I think for him, you're not just competing with the other schools in the area. Lakini. It's the other schools from across the country that wants those um, top mm -hmm. New York City kids. And can you get the second ten? I think that's the same thing that we're asking for here in Chicago. Chicago with DePaul, you in particular. But you know, mm -hmm. can you get those mid-tier guys to come stay with you and to stay uh, come to your school and stay? Yeah, I think that's good. That's going to be the issue, and I think he's realizing that it's not going to be very easy. So. Uh... I know you got great. I know they got great, great resources over there in uh, in Manhattan, but I just think that yeah, it's going to be very tough for him to try to recruit, especially those second tier guys in New York City. Yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Rick Pitino in the, uh, in the St. John's program. All right, Lakina, we got a stretch. Uh, we got a <laughs> uh, take take a take a two and two. Take a two and two. We got the NHL outdoor back to back games to discuss. I know you have some other thoughts, uh, uh, other thoughts on the other topics in the world of sports, and we'll continue our our series on saluting African American families from the world of television as we do old school TV Monday. We'll do that and have a whole lot more fun. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You listen to a special edition, the Monday President's Day edition of of us. Oh boy, uh, boy, uh, I hate Mondays. <laughs> You're listening to the Monday edition. Yeah, we're listening to the Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live and in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago.
This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. to the special Monday edition, the President's Day edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Soul Chicago. You can follow yours truly, Sid the Kid, on the Twitter, X, and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow my Keenan McGee on the Twitter, X, I can't go again, the IG. 
We have exactly 25 minutes left for this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. So if you have any last-minute questions or comments for us, you can always find us at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions and comments in the comments section. Makita will get them up on the screen for you. All right, so let's start locally as we do that hockey for the first time. It's been a while since we've done that hockey, so we're going to you know, do uh, do that right now. Uh, as uh, Connor Bedard gets his first scores his first goal uh back from his uh, broken jaw as they beat the senators uh three to two but a pretty exciting uh game actually uh kept an eye on this game and uh yeah it was actually like i said it was actually pretty exciting and uh he did have another goal he was robbing another goal but didn't count because uh the one of the hawks were off sides but you know he assisted on the game winner and uh yeah pretty a, a solid win for uh for the blackhawks yeah, this is the first goal that Connor Bedard has scored as his, he's returned from his injury of his broken jaw, I believe almost now seven weeks ago. As we said before, it's going to take the Hawks a, a while to uh, get back into playoff contention. But you could, I will say this for head coach Luke Richardson, and we said this about him last year too, where they really didn't have any structure. This team plays hard but they just don't have the talent. They have a little bit more talent now, obviously not enough to qualify for the playoffs, but you could tell that the, the presence of Commodore Bedard is what makes this team competitive, shall we say, at best. Now, when Bedard was out for the whole month of January leading up into the All-Star break, this team struggled, but you could tell his presence on the ice is, is very much needed. And Could you imagine, Lakina, if, if Bedard didn't get hurt, I'm not saying they will be right and think of the wild card race or anything like that, but I think they would be a, a little bit better than what we were uh, than advertised before the season started. And so you know, I know Luke Reichel was sent down to Rockford, and I know mm -hmm. they'll probably have a couple of guys come up between now and the end of the season. But you would believe, you would think that, I, and I, was, I think they 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 are uh, in the long run. But you think that the Hawks will be going in the right direction, which I still believe they are but you know it's still going to take some time but you cannot hold your head down if you're black Hawks fans to say oh they quit and all that stuff you really can't say that because the talent is not there i know Tom Bedard helps compared to last year obviously but you would think that the hawks are heading the right direction i believe they are but it's still going to take some time yeah, that's all I can ask for is improvement. And mm -hmm. we know how we know these guys, you know, they, they play hard for Luke Richardson. Luke Richardson is a great motivator. You can, okay, we had that discussion of whether or not he's the guy that you want to keep as the coach when the Hawks are ready to contend within the next year or two. But right now, I think, you know, for the development of Bedard, getting guys like Nick, uh, you know, better guys like Nick Foligno, get him mm -hmm. back in and the fold, also to Tyler Johnson as well. I think that's going to help. We talked about this last few weeks. That's going to help the Hawks kind of like build a foundation, and uh, that's all. I think that's what Kyle Davidson wants. You know, the GM build it up, build it up, and us. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and we'll see what happens as the Blackhawks continue uh, <clears throat> continue tonight. They go back on the road. They'll take on the Carolina Hurricanes on the road in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. The, that game will be at six o'clock p.m. on. Uh, NHL power play on ESPN Plus, of course, locally here on NBC Sports Chicago. So, the black, uh, the, those folks in Carolina will see Connor Bedard for the first time. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, to the two uh, outdoor games in the New York City area, in particular in East Rutherford, New Jersey. <clears throat> of course, last Saturday night we saw the Philadelphia Flyers they lose to the New Jersey Devils uh, outdoors by the score of six to three. Of course. 
yesterday afternoon, the New York Islanders are losing overtime to the New York Rangers, six to five. Of course, we talked about the NHL's popularity over the last few years uh, with them having these outdoor games and with the NBA All-Star Weekend taking place in Indianapolis. This was the perfect time for the NHL to have their outdoor games. So, of course, <clears throat> the New Jersey Devils have been one of the surprise teams in the National Hockey League over the last couple of years. Of course, we talked about the Philadelphia Flyers being one of the teams this year. And it was a very competitive game. I'm interested to see uh, what the <clears throat> numbers were for last Saturday's game because they went up against All-Star Saturday. And for, <clears throat> excuse me, for the NHL, you have, you have to continue to grow your product. And excuse me, uh, you have to continue to um, market your product, uh, showcase your stars on a primetime stage. I know ABC and ESPN have a, a, a couple of games within the next couple of weeks coming up uh, during the Saturday night primetime slot, and you will hope that you you can showcase your stars in those big market teams as well. So they did that on Saturday with the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia Flyers. You can tell the energy in, in the Saints was, tr was tremendous, and the New Jersey Devils were the better team. They came out on top, as I mentioned, by the score of 6-3. to three. Of course, yesterday we saw the New York Rangers – as one of the teams um, that uh, many people are watching out for is they can can contend once again for a Stanley Cup. They beat the New York Islanders by the score of 6-5 in overtime. We saw that the New York Islanders are having a, a tough time this year. The New York Rangers are continuing to show people why they're one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. Uh, as I mentioned with the Flyers in New Jersey Devils earlier on a Saturday night in prime time. The energy for this game, which took place yesterday afternoon in East Rutherford, New Jersey, at MetLife Stadium, the home of the football's New York Giants and Jets. Uh, the atmosphere was tremendous once again. The Rangers fans showed up and showed out. The New York Islanders fans, they have a strong fan base as well. But as far as the teams on the ice, it was no comparison. The Rangers showed their mail, especially uh, with them scoring the game winner over time yesterday. Also, what a big event took place yesterday in the world of hockey. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, despite losing 2-1 to, to the L.A. Kings, they retired the number of one Mr. Yamir Yager, of course, if that name sounds familiar to you, if you're an old-school hockey fan like I am. He teamed up with Mario Lemieux, the current owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, for back-to-back -back cups in 1991 and 92. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins team in 92 beat the Chicago Blackhawks uh, sweeping them at the old Chicago Stadium uh, in 92 to catch your back-to-back Cubs. Yami Yager was a tremendous player. Uh, he played for uh, a couple other organizations, including the New York Rangers, toward the end of his career about 16, 17 years ago. But he was, Yami Yager was one of those prolific prolific scorers uh, in, in the past uh, with those stars back then with with Mario Lemieux and Eric Lindros before injuries uh, unfortunately ended his career early. But Yama Yarga had speed. He had vision. Uh, he had the he had the net to uh, crash the net and, and made things happen with the, uh, with the puck on his stick. So Yama Yarga finally got his due with the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday, retiring his number 68, which uh, goes up in the Raptors in Pittsburgh at PPG Pants Arena. So, uh, the shout out to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization for uh, giving him his proper proper due 
as being one of the greatest Pittsburgh Penguins ever. Of course, Sidney Crosby, who plays for the Penguins now, uh, he'll get his due once he hang up, hang him up uh, in a few years. Now, going into the leaders in the Eastern Conference, as we uh, head down toward the last couple months of the regular season, of course, the trade deadline is at the end of this month. Of course, you have the Florida Panthers leading the way in the Eastern Conference, followed by the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're make, starting to make a run, so we'll see how, what happens with them. Uh, happens with them. Of course, in the Western Conference, it's the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche who lost in last year's Stanley Cup final. Uh, Stanley uh, Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, rather. Of course, Vegas is right there. You're defending Stanley Cup champions. They're right behind the Vancouver Canucks in second place in that uh, Pacific Division in the Western Conference. Vancouver Canucks, also one of those young teams that are surprising the league this year in the NHL. Of course, they're led by Elias Patterson, and they still have some of the other young players that have been doing well this year. So I think it's more wide open in the Western Conference and then the East, the East is still tough, but in the Western Conference, as I mentioned, you, you have Vegas, the Divinity St. Lincoln Champions. You have Dallas, who's always right there at the end of the season. And then you have Colorado trying to re rebound what happened. Uh, them not defending their Stanley Cup last year, but they're still right there. So we'll see what happens with that. The Los Angeles Kings fired Ty McClellan a, a couple of weeks ago. It looks like they're trying to get back on track, as I mentioned. They beat Pittsburgh on the road yesterday by the score of two to one. So we'll see if the LA Kings can get back on track and position themselves up for a playoff run coming up in a couple of months. You're listening to Second City Sports or Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid Lakino. Hopefully we'll, we'll, she'll re, we'll, we'll, we'll rejoin me coming up in a couple of minutes. I want to go back to a couple of topics uh, uh, at the top of the show when we had Jared Wills from CHGO on. And But first, we'll talk about the Stadium situation or not situation when it comes to the Chicago White Sox, of course, the late news dump came on uh, last Friday afternoon as Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, uh, the reports came out that he proposed uh, for taxpayers to pay $1 billion for a potential new stadium in the South Loop in the 78th uh, unofficial neighborhood of Chicago in the South Loop there between Clark Street and Roosevelt. As we talked about before on this program, uh, if the White Sox can use any boost right now, it is a new stadium, even though the one they're currently playing in right now on the south side of the 35th Shields. It's been uh, revamped over the last several years, but it's really nothing structurally wrong with that stadium. I like going there personally because I'm a White Sox fan, but, you know, Ryan Stuff is trying to uh, willing deal with that being up uh, in 2029. As one of the questions we asked before, as Lakina rejoins me now, you ask in the public, uh, the public, uh, the city of Chicago citizens and the citizens of Cook County, like myself, to pay for $1 billion for that new stadium. <laughs> but the public is on the hook for that. You're trying to keep your money as an ownership group. That's going to be a problem. I'm just saying. I mean, it's, it's going to be like, I, I started laughing at like, yo, is Ryan Storff high? Is he high that, you know, does he? I mean, does he? I mean, look. I mean, I'm serious. Does he really think that that you know Chicago's going to fit the bill for that? I mean, look, the, the gov Governor Prisker already told him no. Like, look, you don't even ask. 
Like I don't know mm-hmm. what I don't know what I don't know what Mayor Johnson is thinking is. I'm sure a lot of people are not going to be very happy about that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to have a billion dollars, uh, you know, for a public. No, 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 no. We're not doing it. I know some people say, well, you know, he kind of placed him before. That was in a different different ownership and. I don't know if I don't. I don't want to speak for Sox fans. I know Sick could speak more to this, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is just a a stalling tactic. Like they're not going to get a, a billion dollars, not in public funding. No, 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 not happening. Yeah, I think the taxpayers will have to flip the bill in some way. But as I said just a moment ago, if we're going to have to, if we as the citizens of the of Cook County and the state of Illinois uh, will have to pay the majority of this, uh, it, it's not going to fly. As we talked about before, Rhinestar used the tactic of um, moving the team to Tampa back at 89. Of course, he got that sweet deal from the late Governor Thompson on the stadium that which they play in now. As I said before, nothing structurally wrong with that stadium. Uh, it's being revamped over the years, and it's a nice place to go to. I'm partially biased because I'm a White Sox fan, but if you have a, if you build a stadium, we talked about this before. Like, if if this if it comes to fruition with a new stadium being being built in the South Loop, of course, it all comes with the hotel tax as well as the city tries to recover, just like every other city around across the country following COVID. But it's going to bring the friend, the value of their franchise much more value than it is right now. And you're going to bring uh, outsiders in. You, you pour, perhaps you're going to bring in a bigger fan base because it's a new stadium, new digs, and he's going to attract people to to spend money uh, in your ballpark or around that area. And it's going to benefit the city of Chicago. Obviously, it's going to benefit the White Sox as Bryce Dover does care about his legacy and trying to get it right. But if you're asking the public to fit, flip the bill for this, and you're going to try to keep your money in your pocket as little as possible. It's not going to fly. It's just not going to fly. Well, and we know we know how stingy he is when it comes to not spending his own money. So we, yeah. I know there are two teams that are – and two fan base that will probably attest to that. So, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, what this goes with the – I'm sure there, are, there is going to have to be some public funding, but not no billion dollars. Maybe, maybe a quarter of that, if that much. But, uh, yeah, it ain't right. happening. Like I said, if it's – you guys say if the public is is um is responsible for the majority of that is it's not going to fly. I was listening to Peggy Kaczynski and our good friend Dion Miller from ABC Seven, their weekend show over the weekend on ESPN One Thousand. I think it's going to be a race to who uh, who gets their new stadium mm-hmm. first in the Chicago digs, if you want to say. I still mm-hmm. believe that Arlington Heights is in play for the Chicago Bears, but you got to get. Of uh, those, uh, the the citizens of that city and the surrounding suburbs involved, obviously, to voice their uh, opinions to uh, to give what their thoughts are. But whoever plays in the city of Chicago is unfortunately it's going to be just one team. I think the odds are are the Bears, even though the suburbs are still a better destination for it, especially what they well the league wants them to do uh, with hosting. Not for the Bears is not just hosting the Super Bowl, but you know, getting the Big Ten football and basketball championships in that stadium. Use that stadium. Uh, it, I believe it's going to be indoor, not a rechargeable group, but it's going to be an indoor stadium, just like SoFi is out there in Los Angeles, which is going to host the 20, 2028 Olympics, by the way. But uh, that's Bear, the, the potential new Bear Stadium, uh, which I still believe is going to be in the suburbs. It could be used all year round. Look what's going on with Wrigley Field. And remember, the Ricketts family, when they bought uh, when they bought the Cubs franchise, 
little bit over a decade ago, uh, ago they used their own money to rehabish uh, Wrigley Field. So I think Ryan Stark can get taken on a page out of that book if he wants that new stadium in the South Field. I'm just saying. But as far as the Bears are concerned, you can uh, what, what what the Wrigley Field does in the month of December and January, using it for the for people to skate and all that stuff. You could do that with the stadium tours uh, with that potential new Bears stadium. So there's a whole whole lot more you could do with that with that Bears stadium. But I think, as I said before, and I'll say it again, if the Bears can control their own stadium, own their own stadium, they're going to have to move to the suburbs because where they play at right now, the Chicago Park District owns it. But if they really want to control the dollars, control what they can do, is they're better off in the suburbs because where else are you going to build that potential new stadium in the city, Lakina? They're not going to share it with the White Sox. And I don't know what more they could do south of the old McCormick place. Where is he going to build within city limits? Well, I think the tax write-off, that's the reason why nothing's been official with Arlington Heights. It's been the taxes. Like, they, Mm -hmm. you know, know, Arlington Heights doesn't want to cover any of the taxes. You know, the mayor there already said, look, we're not covering the taxes here. So uh, you're kind of in in your own free fall. So I'm sure there's a lot to be decided here. So uh, we'll see. You know, well, I'm sure, look, this is not going to be the last we're going to be talking about either one of these potential stadiums in the city. So uh, it'll be to see what what, 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 what or both these teams do. So it's going to get a little bit uh, tightening of the purse strings, if you will, as, as I can see sports. Uh, sports on Chicago, Lakeena McGee, Cindy Brown with you. So we get just enough time for old school TV Monday. So I just allude to black family sitcoms. And next up is? Mo to the. Eat to the, <laughs> I won't sing the rest of the theme song. We're, we're, we're saluting the UPN, i.e. the United Paramount Networks, the former networks. There's a Monday TV sitcom, Moesha. It was a, a sitcom that aired on UPN from January 23rd of 1996 until May 14th of 2001. The series starred R&B singer Brandy Norwood as Moesha Denise Mitchell, an African-American teenager living in the upper middle class neighborhood of Lamarck Park, neighborhood of Los Angeles. It was originally ordered as a pilot for CBS for the 1995-96 television season, but it was declined by the network. It was later picked up by UPN, which aired as a mid-season replacement. It went to become one of the biggest success for the uh, for the former network and one of the greatest hits over the course of the network's entire run. The series was a joint production for UPN by Reagan John Productions and at the Jump Sons Productions in association with the Big Ticket Television Production Company. The overall series uh, focused on the black life of an upper middle class family through the eyes of a typical girl named Moesha, her father Frank, a widower and Saturn car salesman, and later owned his own dealership, Brother Saturn. Mary D., which played by Shirley Ralph, was the vice principal at Moesha's high school, much to Moesha's disapproval. The series was created by Ralph Falquhar, which along with the writing team of Sarah Finney and Vita Spears. The settings of the show included the Mitchell household, team hangout, the den, and some, in some cases, Crenshaw High School. The school attended by Moesha, Kim, Nisi, and Hakeem. The sitcom was also set in Lamar Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, probably one of the you know the breakouts uh, sitcoms from that year and uh, on that network. It kind of helped build the UPN network and a few other mm-hmm. shows. And we'll, we'll get to it at some point in Old School TV Monday. But I think you know with Moesha, it kind of like sort of changed the trajectory because there wasn't a lot of uh, shows that focus on black teenage life at the time, especially from a more 
I don't want to say they were rich, but they were kind of more like upper middle class, like you said. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it was actually pretty cool. I think the concept was, look, you know, Moesha's dad remarried and, you know, she and her brother had a just time to stepmom and and such. And, you know, definitely the breakout star was Countess Vaughn. I, I think yes. it was definitely one of those moments where, of course, you know, she, uh, you know, would go on to their, her, uh, her spinoff with Monique. Of course, the Parkers. Some would say that after mm-hmm. some of the original writers left Moesha to do the Parkers, Things kind of went a little bit uh, haywire there. Probably the more one of the more famous episodes, of course, that you know with, with Mo and uh, well, uh, Q. Uh, well, I mean, fragile star of the rap group, the uh, Onyx. Onyx, yep. And uh, and I'm and I'm like, mm, okay, yeah, no, uh, no, 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 no shade to Fredro, who actually is still producing and writing uh, mm-hmm. uh, hip hop songs still, but. I was like, mm, okay. Uh, Lamont Bentley, of course, got rested, so played yeah. Hakeem. Uh, to me, I, I I think when they once they teased, of course, he and Mo got together. I think I think that show. I think that's where the show jumped the shark. That's that's, that's just me personally. And also, too, I watched an interview with Shirley White, which she's doing great work with the uh, uh, Abbott Elementary on ABC, which is currently airing on. I heard an interview not too long ago. She said, "Remember Dorian, of course, Brandy's brother in real yeah. life, Ray J. Yeah. Norwood." Uh, mm-hmm. When uh, uh, the storyline was written, that that was actually Frank's son. Yeah. I heard Sherry Ralph in the interview. She and remember, she left that show midway through that last season, mm-hmm. which was season six. She she said it was a good, feel good story about the black family in in, in America, and it was all feel good. They had, yes, they dealt with issues with with uh, homosexuality and teenage pregnancy and drugs, but once she once she changed the course of the dynamic of the Mitchell family, I had a problem with that, just quoting Shirley Ralph. And that's why she left the show. She's like, all this feel-good stuff, uh, and you're throwing a a monkey wrench with that storyline. Even though it was, uh, uh, people were dealing with that at that time, still dealing with it within today's society. She didn't like that change. That's why she left that show. I don't blame her. Honestly, yeah, I don't me really too. Blame. I don't blame her. And uh, of course, you know, my of course you talk about the you know, drugs, Miles doing drugs. We didn't see any lead up to it, so that didn't make any sense to me. So some of the choices that the writers made were kind of like, oh and and I think we were because also we were left hanging too. Like, you know, as, as she said that last season, I mean, we were left with that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. We never of course, uh, I think the show had kind of like lost a lot of its rays. That's why UPN yeah. canceled it and, and such. So we never really got any answers to some of uh, that, that big uh, question there. And then a cliffhanger who was pregnant. But I thought it was a good show. It had its moments. But yeah, the yeah the Ray J thing, I think really. And, and I know their mother, him and uh, Brady's mother, uh, Sonya, had a lot to do with that allegedly. That, that's just, I just read that, that, that. I don't know that for sure, but that's the mm-hmm. alleged. But, you know. Yeah, also you had a bunch of guest stars on the show. We mentioned Fredro star of, uh, of the hip-hop world in a famous rap group, Onyx. Remember Andrew Keegan in that first season yeah. of Kena? He went to mm-hmm. star in a couple of movies, all of which was in Julia Stiles and Makai Pfeiffer. He was in that movie, but he was also in a couple of the TV shows. Remember, you had guest stars with Boys to Men where yeah. Brandy was in college. Uh, you also had Emmanuel Lewis, a.k.a. Webster oh, yeah. from back in the day. He was a guest star in that first season. Of course, you had Johnny Gill on there as a mm-hmm. guest star. You had a couple other two, which Usher. I can't remember right now. Uh, yeah, Usher. Usher. Oh, that was a very good storyline back then. He was a, a college, a, a, a college recruit for, uh, that was trying to recruit him to go to college. He was in a couple of episodes. And Kobe? you had remember, remember Kobe? Yeah, Kobe. Remember, yep. Yeah. Uh, you know Kobe Bryant. Yep. 
Yeah, he was in early. there. Of course, DMX was in there yes, as well. Yeah. So he had a a bunch of guest stars that uh, helped that show grow to become one of the uh, best shows of the nineties. Yeah, so uh, I know it's, I know I think you see the repeats. I know it's streamed like in various. Uh, I know TV mm -hmm. One owes some of the uh, air some of them, but so I know it's streaming. I know uh, on Pluto TV, and if uh, mm -hmm. I believe it's on Max as well, if I'm not mistaken, or Hulu. It's, it's on one of those uh, streaming services. So yeah, so you can stream the show and Netflix too, I believe. So yeah, you can stream the show anytime, anywhere, pretty much. Yes. So we for Black History Month for Old School TV Money, we salute the 1990s sitcom Moesha. All right, Lakina, close us out. You can follow my Kina McGee on the Twitter, X at Kina McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter, X and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, it's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. Make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Please follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms, Facebook, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast at War Media Podcast. W-A-R-R -R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are on all podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio app. And while you're at it, give War Media a follow at W-A-R-R Media on all social media platforms. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We'd like to thank Jared Willis from CSGO Sports from uh, coming on with us today to help um, with spring training previews for the both Cubs, Sox, and baseball abroad. Make sure you catch Second City Sports Live in Living Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Once again, please catch Second City Sports Live in Living Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Make sure you catch Sports on Chicago anytime, anywhere on Roku TV, whatever device you got. We've got the Roku uh, app. It's all right there. Whatever device you have, you can catch our show, Sean and Maya, the Smoke Fells, and a whole lot more. You know, just type in Sports on Chicago. It's all right there for you. And you know we will provide. All right. Enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the All-Star uh, uh, break from the NBA. You know, catch some college hoops. It's getting, it's getting down to the wire there. And, of course, some NHL as well. Of course, the Hawks are back at it tonight. And so much more. Enjoy all this gorgeous weather you got, we got coming up here in Chicago, you know, for February especially. So, first, Sid, I'm Lakia. Be safe out there, folks. This is Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. And we'll see you Friday. When I say team, you say up, uh, team, up, uh, team, up, uh, holla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother.